This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. And today, Kelvin talks to Peter Philpot, Director of SEO at Site Visibility, on tips to sell more successfully online. Over to you, Kelvin. I'm joined by Peter today. Peter's a relatively um, new joiner of the, the site visibility team. Tell us a bit about yourself, Peter. We were just talking about um, you know where you come from and all that kind of thing off mic. But yeah, let's get the the, the, the whistle-stop tour of, of, of who you are and what you're about, the elevator pitch, as it were. Okay, yeah. Um, so currently I'm director of SEO at SiteViz. But uh, prior to that, uh, I've been in the SEO industry for nearly 10 years. Um, started off over in Spain in the Spanish property market. Um, moved through loads of different industries, and uh, yeah. Um. And we're going to be talking about e-commerce specifically today, aren't we? Retail and some of the trends and patterns there, because I know that's an area that you've worked on quite a few websites in the past, and you know, recently sat down and um, had a, a roundtable discussion um, mm-hmm. at Brighton SEO with um, quite a few people who are working client side in, in retail, and, that, and we're going to talk about some of the big trends and all of that that kind of side of things there. So. Let's start off because I know that one of the the topics that you you mentioned to me that really kind of came out of that session and as something that you've seen in e-commerce and retail websites as a whole is that there's some quite obvious mistakes that people are making and missed opportunities that that people had come across and wanted to share and I think that might be quite useful for our listeners who maybe are in that space um, you know the opportunities that they might be missing out on any particular yeah, things that jumped yeah. out I mean there are, there are lots of trends of um, of mistakes that are, are starting to develop now a big thing for me is uh, is lazy loading and how many people are starting to implement it without really thinking about search engine crawlers yeah so the developing so, so, so lazy Lazy loading then, take us through kind of like, you know, what, what do you mean by that? What's some of the you know types of websites that they would use that? Why might people go about doing that? What's the pros before we talk about some of the cons? Well, there, there, there are a lot of pros to this. So um, quite often it's used on fashion sites where people want to see um, large elements of the stock on one page. And as you scroll down the page, further uh, items of clothing load onto the page okay. dynamically. So it's it's an infinite scroll as you go down the page. Yeah. Now... When this is done correctly, it's a really, really good solution and uh, makes it much easier for customers to see all of your products more quickly. But the problem is that a lot of people are implementing it without any thought to Google and web crawl. Because yeah, the, the browsing through the site that that you would typically do, that's mm-hmm. what the, the search engines are trying to mimic, aren't they? That They're trying to, you know, the way in which you structure and present those products yeah. um, are how the search engines find them. And if you're not doing it in a way that the search en- works for the search engines and the users you can find that they're, they're not getting indexed is that the main sort of outcome of that or? well yes that that can be a, a very big outcome of it is that your category page essentially you would have had 10 15 category pages before you've got this one lazy loading page it's fine if search engines can get through all the products but quite often you find the way that it's implemented search engines can't actually access 90 percent of the products mm. And then there's no links going to those products themselves, so you lose a lot of indexation. And those pages themselves can quite often rank quite well, can't they? In terms of you know the individual product page, it might well be not huge volume phrases, but they're the type of you know if someone really clearly knows what it is they're looking for, more likely to convert. That's going to have an impact, isn't it? They might not have huge. Yeah. Uh, traffic, but it could have quite significant conversion impact. I that? mean, quite often where I've seen this disimplemented, you're talking about losing 10 to 20% of your traffic, and it's quite high converting traffic yeah. as well. So it can be very, very problematic. 
And so, so is there any advice that you have for how, if people are considering implementing this, because we talked about it being good for the users, it certainly is a, a trend that works particularly well, kind of if you're imagining the mobile, you know, scrolling type yeah, behavior. Yeah. Anything that people should consider if they are going to go down this route to make sure that they don't make that kind of SEO slip up, as it were? Well, Google's getting a lot better at, uh, at crawling JavaScript anyway. So this is a problem that is likely to go away. But at the moment, you really need to make sure that your pages are accessible to web crawlers. So essentially, it's building a, a secondary structure so that if anyone doesn't have JavaScript installed, mm. uh, the pages will appear and they'll still be able to navigate through the mm. site. If you do that effectively, then a search engine should be able to do it mm. and, and you'll have no problem. Mm. So it's essentially building that the mm. JavaScript lazy load, but mm. making sure that you've got a, a backup if uh, if people don't have JavaScript ability. And I suppose that's kind of similar. You know, other things to bear in mind would be the, you know, the, the standard things like having a good, you know, XML sitemap, keeping mm-hmm. an idea, uh, keeping a, a view on your indexation in um, yeah. Search Console or Webmaster Tools, as it used mm-hmm. to be known. All those things are really important important for oh uh, yeah absolutely to to ensure that that's mm. uh, that it's all crawlable mm. but people are often um lacking to uh, find to consider that uh, when they're going to a lazy loading system these systems are far more image heavy so they're mm. losing a lot of text on the page yeah. as well because mm. previously you, you'd have had a, a short product description and Im- image mm. quite often now they've gone just for images yeah so a lot of text is being lost as well so it's ways to think about uh, mm. replacing that especially on category pages yeah because category pages are really important aren't they from a search engine entry landing page that that you know in many cases if someone's searching for a particular product category you want them to get to that category page and if there's no text there it's hard for the search engines to understand that right well this is it yeah when, when people are, are doing lazy loading well they're considering the uh, the amount of text that was previously on the page mm. and, and looking at ways to uh, to include this at the top and mm. uh, and in other sections of the page, but where they're doing it badly, they're just presenting images and, and removing vast mm. vast quantities of text. But there is traffic opportunities in image as well from a search engine perspective as well. Like, is that one that oh, e-commerce yeah. ought to be, be you know paying a bit more attention to? Uh, absolutely, it's it's a, a real missed opportunity. Is the uh, the image search um, areas, and when you actually go into Google Search Console and start looking at uh, the amount of traffic that's coming from images, mm. people are often quite surprised. Mm. I, a few years ago, I worked with a, a curtains uh, a retailer who hadn't realised that forty percent of the traffic to their site was actually image search. And that's significant, isn't it? Yeah. Ab- yeah. Absolutely, and they'd never actually done anything to optimise the uh, the on page uh, images. So, so by not doing that, you're leaving money on the table and letting search traffic go to other people who, who've dealt with that challenge a bit better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, typically it's it's earlier on in the, the buying funnel, so quite often they don't convert as well from image search, but it's it's a really good way to get your name out there in the early stages of search. So uh, it, it is often overlooked. And, and, you know, so if you're trying to improve the likelihood of your website appearing in image search, how would you go about doing that? What are some of the tactics that people would need to, to invest time in? Well, the, the, the main obvious and simple one is using alt tags to describe the image and it, it's surprising how many retailers just completely overlook that and uh, and don't build that that in at all mm. into their their systems so yeah this is um, being descriptive right is that well, is it yeah. as simple as that in many cases G- yeah. giving a, a simple description of the image that you're looking at yes mm. uh, and that's really very often missed out and i suppose actually that gives you a lot of opportunity down the line as well that i know i've worked with um organizations where 
you know, the number of assets and photos that they have to deal with is so significant. Um, but if they've never really categorized that well, they've never implemented those descriptions, it makes it harder for themselves to make use of the imagery that they've got, if you see what I mean. That, like, if they then go and produce a blog post, yeah. they can't find these gr- like 50 great images that they've already got paid for and taken, but end up having to use some generic stock. To, yes, yeah. oh, that, that, absolutely. You see that all the time. And you see uh, websites um, using multiple locations for the same image rather mm. than using the same location for the mm. image, which is uh, a, a, another issue. It's not going to help me from a search perspective, no. Well, this is it. Mm. PageRank works mm. in a very similar way for images that mm. it works for uh, for pages themselves. Mm. And if you've got uh, 100 versions of the same image, it's mm. not as good as having the one linked to 100 times. It's interesting. So another kind of technical side of things that I know... Um, a lot of um, retailers are thinking about at the moment and you know I know in a recent travel episode we talked about this as well so HTTPS explain um, what it is why that's become something that's on the search marketers agenda and kind of some of the the findings and interesting patterns that you've seen in the world of retail yeah so uh, a lot of retailers I, I talk to are very very keen on adopting HTTPS which is essentially moving to a secure uh, version of, of the website mm-hmm. that makes it far more difficult for people to intercept the traffic going between users and the site itself. And and the main reason for this is uh, Google has hinted in the past that it is going to uh, give a, an advantage in mm. organic search to people who've got HTTPS uh, implemented. And I've seen a lot of uh, retailers go down the path of really spending a lot of time and effort to implement HTTPS mm. and then being ultimately disappointed with the result where mm. they can't actually see any benefits at all. Yeah. And sometimes, mm. anecdotally, they've even reported a slight downward trend mm. in traffic to the HTTPS version. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's one of these ones that's new. I can see that there's broader arguments for why you might want to implement HTTPS, but it is one of these ones where it's all about opportunity costs, isn't it? I think with e-commerce, that there's always lots of things they could sort out and it's which yeah. do you prioritise and is that one that perhaps people are over Well, this is it. Uh, I mean, people, when they initially come to it, think it's going to be quite simple uh, until they start to realise, well, actually, I've got to redirect all of my old HTTP versions to mm. the HTTPS version and, I, and we've got to do it this successfully on thousands and thousands of pages. Mm. It becomes quite a, a time-consuming exercise then. And it takes development time as well, right? Yeah. Well, absolutely, and takes development time away from uh, the other mm. great areas that you could be concentrating on. And although, you know, in, in the future, I think the whole world is going to go HTTPS, it, mm. it is inevitable. At the moment, the people who are doing it are really disappointed that they put so much effort into doing it and, and got so little out of it at the end. So you'd probably recommend that, you know, maybe if you're going through a redesign process or, or a migration of some form, that might be the time to do it rather than in the midst of just a kind of, okay, what are we going to do this September type thing? Well, this is it. When, when it fits in and it can be scaled more easily. So if, if you're launching a new site, it's a good time to start thinking about using HTTPS. Mm. It's not going to add a significant burden to the site build. Mm. But if you're going to do it to an existing site, it, it's going to take mm. away a, a lot of time and resources for from other things that could make you mm. more money. And so if people are going through that redesign process or you know, re-architecting their website, mm-hmm. um, that's probably going to be one of the opportunities they've got to sort out information architecture or change their information architecture. Yes. Uh, what's some you know uh, areas that you think people who are going through that process, and I suppose this applies to pretty much any type of business, who are kind of setting up the structure of a new website, any tips you've got for them in terms of managing the structure of a website? Yes, well, um, 
really people are going very much with mega menus these days very very trendy option and so I that's think, a big menu what's, that, what's how would you just explain what a mega menu so is? so the mega menu is typically it's it's um a drop down list with around well quite often 100 items linked to so your traditional navigation you'd have set seven or eight categories across yeah. the top you click on that you go into the category page yeah. you'd have like a deep structure a, right? a, yeah. a deep structure but the mega menu really has has overtaken that in popularity now and typically you hover over an item and you get hundreds and hundreds of links to the uh subcategories or the products themselves so it's removing steps in that navigation process yes yeah. yes and it can be really, really beneficial in some cases, but it can be really detrimental in others. And people tend not to think about the value of the items on the mega menu. Mm. And what you find is that people will go from having seven or eight key categories on the traditional structure to 150 um, on the new structure. And whereas previously, uh, that would have meant that essentially your page rank flow is split seven or eight ways. Now you're splitting it 100 ways. Mm. If you've relied heavily on one one or two products that are the core of your business, yep. you're significantly then diluting the page rank in, in many other ways. And I've seen people who've been reliant on a small set of products really suffer from, from doing this. So in a weird way, that um, the the older style of kind of setting up your navigation, which would be, you say, okay, so what are your seven or eight most important pages? Yeah. Um, that's not perfect because you don't spread your love of, you know, the, the value around your website but yeah. sometimes people go to the opposite extreme, right? And like kind of go, actually, let's put everything in there. When a mega menu doesn't mean you have to put everything in there. Yeah. You could, but it doesn't mean you should, right? Is that well, what you're uh, getting at? Or? The, absolutely, yes. People don't really try and work out whether something's got the in, enough value to be on the mega menu. Mm. So what you've got to think is, you know, if you've got 100 items, are they all equally as important? Mm. Should they all be there? Do you have some things that you sell once every six months and some mm. things that you, that you sell 100 of a day? Yeah. You've got to think about prioritisation yeah. when you're building a navigation mm. structure. And even excluding, I suppose, the SEO implications of this, this has got a lot to do with kind of choice architecture and the kind of, you know, paradox, um, paradox of choice, right? So the, yeah. the more options that are there, the, the harder it is to make it decision right I could, uh, well yeah the, the, this is it if you're putting low relevance um, items next to your your high relevance items and, and we can see this with um, when, when we get into uh, sort of white goods retail yeah. you can see quite often retailers are now adopting the idea that well actually we'll have five washing machines that are our recommended ones and we'll yeah. put those separately to the other 150 that we do to keep yeah. people's minds focused but it also keeps page rank focused mm. so in a way it's SEO mimicking human behaviour. Yeah, yeah, because that's it, isn't it? Is that that just because you could stock all of these products doesn't necessarily mean that you should. And I suppose for many retailers, people like Amazon and the eBay's of this world have got the you know the huge inventory stuff sorted. Mm -hmm. So actually, maybe your role as a retailer is to you know you might still sell all of them. Yeah. But kind of using the structure of your website to really make it easier for people to go actually. Yeah, because we've all been there, haven't you? Where you're kind of like, well, I don't know anything about, you know, headphones. And you there's 750 pairs of head. How do I choose which is the best pair of headphones for me? Whereas actually, sometimes I'd be better off just being pointed to this being, it might not be the perfect one. 
Yeah. But it's minimising the, the risk of downside rather than maximising the upside of choice. Yeah. Well, this is it. Quite often it's good to sell everything, but prioritise a small subset of that. And it, it's the same with your mega menu. You should have prioritised on that your key selling products. Mm. And I think that's a, a good key takeaway for anyone in any kind of business about that prioritization. Just because you could do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should, which I think has some similarities to the things we were talking about with HTTPS as well. So thanks very much for that, Peter. Great um, whistle-stop tour of some of the um, areas of SEO that you really need to be thinking about, particularly if you're in the world of retail and e-commerce. But actually, I think surprisingly, um, lots of opportunities and lessons that any business and any sector and any business model can learn from that. So thanks very much for that, Peter. Thanks. Well, thanks to Peter and Kelvin, and thanks for listening. Listeners, show notes, as always, at sitevisibility.com slash podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher. If you want to leave a review, that would be great. Two ways to get in contact with us. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. And if you want to leave a message or a question on a phone line, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. So that's all from us at Internet Marketing, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>